Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, thank you for waking up dark and early with us. And uh, Renee, Mitch McConnell, oof. Oh, man, that was a hard video to watch yesterday. Yeah, um, for those that didn't see it, Mitch McConnell was taking uh, questions. Um, I think NKY, I think that's Northern Kentucky University. He yep. was he was taking questions. I, I don't know exactly what for, but he was talking to a gaggle of reporters. And, and ironically, one of the reporters asked him a question about if he's going to run again. He's 81 years old, mm-hmm. and uh, he did it again. He He froze up. And um, and this time for like like 30 seconds. Yeah, this was longer than the last time back in July. Yep. And uh, look, I've 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 been critical of Mitch McConnell uh, politically in the past, but on a human level, it's very concerning. I I mean, Renee, I've I've had loved ones who've who've had, you know, neurological and, and, and cognitive diseases where they decline. And uh, I recognize that blank look on his face. And that's exactly what it is. It's not a look of confusion. It's it's a blank stare. Like he's checked out for a second. Right. Like right. Like he's not there or he's like a prisoner in his in his own body. That's a perfect way of explaining it. Describing it. Right. And then, um, you know, he 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 kind of rallied a little bit. He 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 was asked a question about the gubernatorial race in Kentucky, mm-hmm. and he gave an answer. But but again, I I, I recognize that mumble. I recognized um, sort of how he was having a hard time grasping his words, and uh, and, and and yeah, and and of course this this when something like this happens, like when Diane Feinstein she got confused uh, on the Senate floor. Um, you know the the question of 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 age limits for our our politi- limits yeah mm-hmm. comes up uh his office issued a statement after the incident leader McConnell felt momentarily lightheaded and paused during his press conference today uh and Ada McConnell said that the GOP leader will be consulting a physician before his next event yeah and i mean look if you're if you're his constituents if you're other people in in in, in the senate with him I don't know what you do because it's not like you can force him to take leave. You can't force Dianne Feinstein to take leave. And, you know, I have a hard time saying that that you need to put an age limit on elected positions. If your constituents think you're you're too old, then they can vote you out. But um, I I mean, it's 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 getting scary for Mitch McConnell up there. Um, It after he froze up in July, it came out that he had multiple falls during um, concussed. Yeah, concussed. So, um, you know, I, politics aside, I, 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 I hope he uh, I hope he recovers at least. And I don't know how much time he has left in his term, but I mean, he's 81 years old. I know, you know, hang it up. Enjoy some right. good years. Right. And I, I think it's a case by case basis. And, and and it's really odd because there was a, a poll that came out that said the majority of voters thought that both Joe Biden and Donald Trump were too old to run again. Now, more more people thought, to be fair, more people thought Joe Biden was too old. But the more the, the majority of people thought Donald Trump was too old. Um, but again, they're going to be our two nominees yeah. and, and the voters put them. So it's 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 really kind of contradictory. Actually, Joe Biden said that he'd be reaching out to McConnell to ask how he is saying that he is a good friend. Yeah. So th- that's nice to hear. But uh, man, 
like I said, that uh, it was it, hard to watch. Yeah, it, like I said, for me, I've I've had personal experience with stuff like that. It was kind of triggering. So yeah. hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully McConnell gets gets better at least to finish out his term, um, so that he can um, serve his constituents and then he takes Move care on. of his health. Um, so Hurricane Adalia, it, I cannot believe how fast. It it blew through Florida. Came in like a hurricane, <laughs> right? <laughs> and it left like a hurricane. Yeah. Uh, it left like a tropical storm. Um, yesterday, it, it it did briefly reach Category Four. Um, did it? It did. Yeah, for like a few minutes, and then obviously once it hit land, it it, it weakened. Um, Governor Ron DeSantis said that it wasn't quite as bad. Was that Isaac last year? Ivan? The- I um, was it Ian. 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 I was going to get there eventually. <laughs> What's your name again? Yeah. <laughs> huh? um, it, he said that it wasn't as bad as last year. They they didn't get as many panic 911 calls. It seemed like a lot of people um, did, in fact, uh, evacuate. Listen to the experts and get out of there. Yeah. And, and look, any deaths are, are, are tragic. Sure. Not a whole lot of deaths, um, considering it was a Category 4 hurricane. There was two uh, d- driving-related deaths in Florida. Uh, a tree fell on a man in Georgia. Um, but but other than that, um, those are the only deaths that have been reported. Now, obviously, there's a ton of property damage. But uh, um, you were looking into it, Renee. And uh, they had a decent amount of power outages, but they're working quickly. Yeah, they said 500,000 people had lost power, but already half, 250,000 have been restored, which, geez, they, they're moving quickly, which is great. Right. Must be nice yeah, I mean, <laughs> to get I, your power back on the, after a hurricane. I know. I mean, we've we've dealt with some pretty uh, pretty tumultuous weather here this summer. I was going to say, I, I feel like we get up to about the 400,000 uh, outage level quite regularly, and and right. we don't we don't get it back that quick, right? So they were they were most certainly prepared, uh, which is a great thing. Um, but yeah, that's that it seems like they're moving swiftly down there, which again, great. Yeah, and, and so it looks like it's already gone through Georgia. It's already gone through South Carolina. Looks like it's uh, out to sea. Yeah, it's it it's it's getting there. It's uh, North Carolina and Virginia is, is getting the rain. It's a tropical storm now. It might even be a depression by now, but it's moving out to sea. But this other hurricane out by Bermuda, which is getting absolutely no coverage because obviously it's not the continental United States. It just seems to be hanging out there. It has not moved. It has not moved very much since yesterday. Have they named it yet? I'm sure they have, but. Uh, um, I haven't, let's see, H-I-J, so it would be a probably J. So we'll call it Hurricane Jesse until we fi- figure out the <laughs> official name. But, uh, I, I mean, if, looking at this map, they're kind of parallel to each other. Uh, hopefully they don't, like, meet up and, um, you know, hit New England with some kind of weird super I, hurricane. I don't know how these people that live through them year after year, they, they were interviewing people yesterday on CNN, and they're just like, oh, this is... My thirty-something hurricane right. I've lived through. I, I I feel like after one I'd be done. I'm out of here. I'm it's, going back up north to Michigan. I'm done. It's very hit or miss because, um, you know, I I I've I, I've got family in Florida and they live on, on the high ground and they didn't even lose power. So I, I I think if you live in Florida, 
as long as you don't live near the coast, it's a little safer, and, and you kind of know that that's a risk you take when you live that close to the ocean. After having been through that flood that we had about nine years ago, I yeah. was like, I'm done. Right. This I, was traumatic enough. I am way too delicate for that. Yes. Uh, yesterday, uh, Governor Gretchen Whitmer, she laid out her uh, legislative priorities uh, for fall. Uh, yesterday, we, we heard uh, from somebody about her trying to uh, get rid of the 24-hour uh, abortion period, 24-hour uh, wait period for abortion. Um, but it, it, it seems like the big kind of controversial thing that she put out yesterday uh, was paid leave um, for, for young families um, and medical leave paid for by the state. Yeah, and, and her thought was it would be more attractive for those that are thinking of moving to Michigan. And it's funny when, you know, one of the one of her main uh, points had to do with abortion. The most uh, controversial thing this morning is paid family and medical leave. Right, right. Well, and, and the part that's uh, controversial about it is that she didn't really say how we would be funding that, but more than likely it would be a new payroll tax. Yeah, and, and I mean... To me, it, it, it comes down to am I fine with my tax dollars going towards this or towards that? I feel like my tax dollars are going to get spent, and they're either going to be spent well or they're going to be spent uh, in a wasteful way. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with my tax dollars going to this. I am too. Especially for family leave, medical leave. I, I mean, how are you going to force somebody to, to come to work or not pay them if they have a family or a medical emergency? And at some point, I feel that we will all be affected by this. Yeah, I think so. I mean, especially the older the older you get, the older your parents get, um, the bigger your family gets. Um, it 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 becomes more and more likely. Uh, yeah, likely. Um, we may be seeing a uh, increase in our our our, our gas bill there. And uh, not May. It's a definite. The Michi- oh. <laughs> yeah, the Michigan Public Service Commission has approved a settlement agreement that permits consumers energy to raise rates for their gas customers. Now, the settlement calls for consumers to raise rates to collect $95 million for capital infrastructure improvements, uh, investment technology, and operational efficiency uh, and increased financing costs. Now, the amount is down from $212 million, which consumers had initially proposed. The rate increase will take effect October 1st. A typical residential customer using 100 CCFs of natural gas will see an increase of $4.20 on their bill. You know, you never hear, uh, hey, good news, uh, utility rates are going down. Never. I'd like to just for once uh, hear it. And maybe we'll talk about this later on, Renee. Uh, Arts, Beats, and Eats, there's a new feature this year. Uh, we got to hit a break, so maybe we'll talk about it later. Um, there's a new feature this year. Uh, you can buy cannabis products this year, which is great for, for, for the eats. Because, for the eats. Because people are going to have the munchies. <laughs> I see what they did there. Very smart. It's first thing with Mike Parsons and Renee Vitale on WJR. Real interesting conversation. We just heard Renee Vitale with uh, Paul W. and Patricia Mokhtarian, a professor who studies remote work. And uh, if you missed it, you can go to thegreatvoice.com and find the podcast. But uh, about this sort of tug of war between employers and employees um, coming back to the office. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a story in Axios t- talking about how companies like the New York Times, Amazon, 
You can Google any other. Zoom, company. which yeah. was interesting. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Wow. That's not a great endorsement of Zoom. <laughs> no, it's not. They're all trying to force people back to the office. And um, um, this Axios piece, it cites a monster poll that says uh, 75% of workers would relocate if a job asked them to. 25% would rather quit than, than move. And 40% cited remote or hybrid work as a motivating factor when picking a job. And, and it really is amazing just, just how much the tune of employers have changed since the pandemic. If you remember during COVID, they couldn't, they couldn't uh, uh, find enough people. So they said, oh, go ahead, work from home. Sure. You can be just as productive at home as here in the office. In fact, you're so productive. You've proven yourself so much. We value you so much. We might never make you come back to the office. And now that they've got a little leverage back, come back to the office or else. It's, right. it's, it's really incredible. Well, you know, I, I do think that people took advantage Mm-hmm. In a lot of cases, <clears throat> however, uh, I I do think that we proved we can work from home. Yeah, and, and look, I, I mean, our our business is a little bit different. Like our job is to literally have conversations. Uh, but you know, in other in, in other industries where people have shown that they are just as productive, if not more productive, working from home, I, I don't I don't get this you know, obsession with trying to get people back into the office. Uh, you, you know, you hear these corporations talk about uh, uh, work culture and stuff. I have never heard someone wh- who who likes, who's been working from home since 2020 say that they, they, they miss the work culture of coming back into the office. It always seems like it's management who says it, doesn't it? it, it of course. Um, can we find a happy medium? Yeah. Can there be that work-life balance where maybe – you uh, have the hybrid schedule. And I think that's the best solution. I mean, okay, you know what? There probably is some merit coming in one or two days a week. Uh, it, yeah. If, if you're having like a brainstorming session. Sure. It gives managers the opportunity to have some kind of accountability with their teams. Right. I think that is important to have that face-to-face with your teams. Yeah. And if you're trying to generate ideas, it is better to do it in person than sure. over Zoom. But But the day-to-day stuff. The day-to-day stuff, I, I, I don't know why you need to try to force people to come into the office more so than necessary. I mean, other than... If they're hitting their deadlines, right? if they're hitting their numbers, their goals, why do you have to ask these people to come in? Spend gas. Right. You know, pull them away from... Why? Why are we doing this? Yeah, I mean... And, and look, there are some unintended consequences, right? Like, there's there's... This this pending office space real estate bubble because right. people aren't there as much. There are some businesses that do suffer. Um, I do understand that. But, you know, other businesses closer to these people's homes, uh, you know, that that do service work from home people. Those things are going to pop up. And, and, and you know, it's 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 all a cycle. Right. Um, Child care. I know a lot of my friends that have been able to enjoy working from home. Yeah. The, the amount of money alone that they've saved on child care. Which, which can be almost a mortgage payment. Oh, easily. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, like I said, gas, um, you know, their food expenses, not having to worry about, you know, uh, having to pack lunches and things right. like that. You Spending know, it's just 45 minutes to an hour in traffic. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so something is returning downtown. We were you and I were, were talking about it. We were joking uh, nature is healing 
and it's uh, making its its presence known. You want to talk about the irony in this story. My goodness. The whales are visible again on the side of downtown's Broderick Tower. Right. And I, I, I have to be honest. Um, I haven't been downtown much. I did not notice they were gone. But the fact that they're back. I, I've never seen so much buzz about something on social media in the last few days. I mean, people people are excited. I, I, I go on my Facebook page, my Instagram page. People are taking pictures from the Tigers game. Yeah. And so I guess what happened was uh, um, since like 2006, it has just been a cycle of ads that have been uh, plastered over over these whales. Yeah. And this last one was a rocket mortgage ad, and they did try to make it artistic. They they hired a a, a local artist to uh you know make it look Philip Simpson. Yeah. Yep. Make mm-hmm. it look not so corporate. But I guess what some some storms blew in and yep. it, and it damaged the Thursday night weather. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And and so it, it was taken down at, at least uh, temporarily. Yeah, so Robert Wyland did that uh, whale mural 25 years ago. 1997, which I could have sworn has been there my whole life, but uh, I guess not. Well, you're such a young lad. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not as young as I look, even though I know I sound very hip. Yeah, right? Um, so, yeah, the, the storms took down. It was a vinyl yeah. ad that was placed over it. So it wasn't painted over. It was just this vinyl ad that had been covering it. Uh, since 2021, and a lot of fans were upset, especially those that went to the Tigers games. Mm-hmm. So, and then it permanently had kind of uh, the weather had taken it down. Uh, so, you know, the big question is what happens now? Right. Does Quicken Loans put up, Rocket Mortgage put up a new ad? Uh, do they just leave it be? I, I mean, it, I, it, I, I didn't know there was backlash against these ads until the, until the whales came back. Like, it's like the whales, like, liberate everyone, and now they can say, oh, I love the whales. Yeah, well, you know, the Wyland, uh, Stephen Creech, president of the Wyland Foundation, Foundation, wrote, it's ironic, after years of contention, soda ads, car ads, appeals to the state Supreme Court and Rocket Mortgage, completely disregarding any communication with us to find another building for their ad instead of covering up a legacy work of public art. It finally took Mother Nature to step in and say, let me handle this. Well, and, and that's the thing. I, I think maybe you can leave the 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 whales on the Broadwork Tower alone and you could sell the uh, mural space on, I think it's the, 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 the Cadillac Tower. It's the one that used to have that big mural of Barry Sanders on it mm-hmm. and Steve Eiserman. I used to think it was all the same thing, but it's not. Uh, so I think maybe you could find like another building that doesn't already have a, a, be. a beloved mural on it. Because, um, look, that is, that, that is some prime billboard space. I mean, there's yeah. always eyes on it. Um, or you could do, or, or you can uh, do that big billboard uh, going north on uh, Woodward before Eight Mile. It all, usually has like, it usually has like Jamana K. Roos on it, or Call Sam, or Mike Moore. I, oh yeah, that huge one. Yeah, I know what you're talking about? I normally, I, I, I kind of feel like whatever lawyer has their billboard up there is kind of like the Detroit law champion. Right. Like, they all have to outbid each other. Did they paper, rock, scissors for it? <laughs> they probably just, like, Mike Moore says, oh, uh, how much did Jumana K. Roos pay for that? All right, I'll double it. And then they just keep, it, keep ratcheting it up. Uh, Matthew Stafford seems like he's having a, a hard time uh, connecting with 
some of his teammates, and and he can't work from home. So this is so funny to me because we all remember Matthew Stafford when he came in and he was a rookie, right? Right. So this story is is just we all hit that age where we cannot connect with the youth, and that's kind of what's going on. The here. world has passed us by. Yes, for Matt was TikTok dancing. Yeah. <laughs> Now, I would pay to see that from you. He's having a hard time bonding with his younger teammates because they're always on their flipping phones. And that's according to Matt's wife, Kelly. On a recent episode of her podcast, she said, in the old days, you come out of practice, you shower, and you'd be playing cards and interacting. And they'd at least be talking. But now you get out of practice and meetings during training camp, and they go straight to their phones. No one looks up from their phones. And Matthew's like, I don't know. Am I the dad? Do I take their phones? What am I supposed to do here. Kelly says that Matthews even had the equipment guy print him up a book with everyone's name and face so that he can get to know him. That, look, that's not a good sign if he's if he's studying like a seating chart instead of his playbook. It's in the like pre-season. he has flashcards <laughs> of their names and faces and he's bothered by the fact that they call him sir. He wants everyone to see him as just one of the guys. Matthew Stafford is too young to be talking this old. <laughs> He is too young. He should be in the generation that's on their dang phones all the time. I know, but so that's what's so funny. I mean, we still see him. I mean, obviously, he's well established. Right. He's, you know, but he's the old guy now. Do you ever think Matthew Stafford pulls Kelly aside and be like, "Hey, could you like not share this stuff on your podcast?" Can Can we talk about the content of yeah. the podcast? Can you run your your rundown by me first? Yeah. Can you? Uh, I don't know. Can you talk about anything else other than the fact that uh, that sounds like something like you could find? Not in, everything's for on the air, right? It, it, I mean, we we've all done it. We've all we've all come home and we've all vented to our spouse about work. Sure. And that's all it is. It's venting. Once once it's once it's out, it's gone and and it's not for public consumption. (laughs) I I just have to wonder because there's been times where Kelly Stafford has kind of got Matthew in trouble for some things that that he said one one or two times. Yeah, I'm being generous. (laughs) It's first thing with Mike Parsons and Renee Vitale on WJR. With Renee Vitale. Is the era of work from home over? Is remote work here to stay? Or will we settle on some kind of middle-of-the-road hybrid model? Professor uh, Patricia Mokhtarian studies office trends for the Georgia Institute of Technology. She talks to Paul W. Smith on Focus. You see the headline, back in the office, fine, but not nine to five. Pandemic changed expectations about what flexibility truly means well you know if you've been in a business which for two years you didn't come into work and yet work got done then you started saying well gee uh why do i have to make that drive find a parking space or or whatever it might be that makes it more difficult to go into the office if you can get the work done out of the office but there are companies that are saying no no you're going back to the office about 43 percent of north american workers who went back to the office, clocked in for fewer than six hours a day during the first half of this year. Let's uh, check in with a professor who follows these sorts of things, following uh, the study of remote work from the Georgia Institute of Technology, Professor Patricia Mokhtarian. Professor, I'm Paul W. Smith. Welcome to Focus. Thank you very much. My pleasure. When, so when did it become okay to say 
all right, you want me back in the office, that's fine, but I'm not sitting there from 9 to 5. How do you, how do you get away with that? Well, of course, the pandemic broke everything, and people realized that, yes, they could work effectively from home, and companies realized it, too. But over time, uh, perhaps employers sooner than employees in many cases realized that it also comes at a cost. That is, you know, you lose the in-office tacit exchange of knowledge, as the scholars put it, uh, you know, the water cooler conversation, the mentoring of new employees, the kind of company culture um, exchange, and, and so forth. So, you know, the thing is, teleworking has its pros and it has its cons, and there's probably some optimal balance uh, that means you're not there all day every day, but you're not at home all day every day either. And, of course, that's a generality for some people. It should be at home all day every day. That's what they want to do, and that's what works for them. But in general, I think we'll see a pattern all across the spectrum of degrees of being in the office or not. So at Georgia Institute of Technology, Professor, have you found a perfect balance, or is that, based on what you just said, going to be different for everybody? Right. It's hard to speak in generalities because it is specific to individuals. I've changed my work patterns, frankly, since the pandemic. Um, And again, I think there's just right now still a fair amount of churn, if you will, a a fair amount of of people kind of circling around trying to find that right balance. If they don't like what their employer is doing, then over time they'll find a new employer. And if the employer is not happy with the way things look, then they'll change the rules. And, And so I think we're still seeing this self-sorting, if you will, of employees into organizations that are consistent with what the employee wants to do or reconciliation that maybe it'll be less than they want but still more than it was before. And similarly, employers are sometimes having to coach or even let go employees who aren't handling it well um, and are revising their policies uh, as well as time goes on to kind of, again, try to find that happy medium. I couldn't have been the only one, and I'm not saying this to try to kiss up to my bosses, but the reality is during the uh, the two years straight where we had to work from home, uh, at least in my business, and that meant that my desk was with me all the time. It wasn't like I went in early in the morning and left and came back home and that was that. My desk, meaning my work, was with me all the time, and I felt at least during that time I worked more than when I did going into the office, in my case, the radio station. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's certainly the case for a lot of people, and, and um, in some cases too much, right? It becomes hard to draw the boundaries when you're working from home and doing work, you know, domestic work as well as work work, and so where do you stop? And you know, people who have workaholic tendencies might find it even more difficult. It's kind of like the addiction, right? You're, yeah. If you're an alcoholic, you don't go into a bar, and if you're a workaholic, you know, making it easy to do it 24-7 can be dangerous. So uh, again, I think uh, people find what works best for them, and in some cases, those additional you-need-to-be-in-the-office boundaries can be beneficial. Um, and in other cases, again, it works just fine with people um, working from home as their full-time um, modus operandi, so to speak. Professor Mokhtarian, 
do you agree or disagree with the line from this story that brought us to brought you to our attention? Um, do you believe the era of sitting at your desk from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. is over? You know, academics don't like to speak in absolutes. <laughs> Again, uh, wait a minute. My old professors used to like to speak in absolutes, uh, especially well, when okay. they were checking my exam and said, no, that's not right. What? Well, there you've got a point there. Sometimes answers are wrong or right. I'm a math major, so one of the things I love about oh, math Oh, don't even is... get me started on math, because with <laughs> math, they would say, well, that's the right answer, but you didn't do the right work to get that answer. Exactly. Like, well, what does that mean? If you anyway. got it for the wrong reason, it doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, that never. Believe me, that kind of turned me off on math. I'm just saying. Oh, but anyway, so it, it is. It, you can't just say with a blanket statement, the era of sitting at your desk from 9 to 5 is over. Exactly. But neither can you say, you know, it's a free-for-all and everybody's now doing, you know, something totally different. Again, the truth is really somewhere in between. There's a nuance here. And so even, you know, you see the headlines that so and such and such companies demanding that everybody come back to the office, and then you read the fine print, and it's like, well, two days a week or, you know, three days a week. <laughs> Right. And I'm like, well, that's still way different than what it was before the pandemic. So something's still quite different. She and knows what so, she's talking about. This is what she studies. Professor yep. Patricia Mokhtarian at the Georgia Institute of Technology. Thank you so much for your help. When we come back on First Thing, nature is healing and has taken over something downtown. With Renee Vitale, with Lloyd Jackson, with Guy Gordon, and uh, the Free Press did uh, did a really in depth investigation of all 148 state lawmakers just to uh, verify that uh, they weren't lying on their resume, so to speak. They they went through all their biographies, and uh, they 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 followed up on on you know the claims of what kind of education they had, um, and all but two checked out so everyone was telling the truth okay. except for two lawmakers um state rep john roth from interlocking it says that he has a degree in marina management from northwestern michigan college in traverse city the freep reached out to the school and they said that roth he did attend a recreational boning management program from 1988 to 1991 but he never earned a degree and then roth says the fact um that he didn't have the degrees news to him. He said he received a diploma and has pictures of himself at the commencement ceremony. Okay. Well that, that, uh, okay. That, that, that proves it. I, is it a diploma or is it like a certificate of completion? Right. Yeah. And then the other one, this one, but I, what, what do you, what do you do for boating recreational management? Right. Do you know, and you, you did it for three years and you, you didn't get a degree in you, it? You cruise the bay there uh, in Traverse City. I, it do you have like a, a knot tying class? Port, starboard, no, know the difference? bowling alley management? I would have to, you know, <laughs> just open up a bowling alley right. or, or a boating store. And, you, you know, know what I was thinking? I, I don't know if when you guys were kids, but for some reason when I was in seventh grade, we we all had to take time out of, uh, out of school to take like a boater safety class yeah that's what i'm that's what yep. i'm picturing here yeah. But, yeah that's listen that's a great thing though i i think that's brilliant and, i do too yeah because yeah. You know, otherwise you know now you can't even use a rave a wave runner or a mm -hmm. pwc now I, I i aged out i was old enough that i wasn't included in that but if 
if you don't, you can't operate any boat in Michigan. Yeah. So that's why they're – it's good to be safe. If you've ever been on Lake St. Clair on a weekend in the summer, everyone should do it. I, right. I did pass it. However, if you put me if you, if you put me behind the cr- controls of a boat, I don't know what I'm doing. Do they tell you in this class to leave your clothes on while you're boating? Because I think for the jobby nooner, that would right. be a good little If you've ever been program. on Lake St. Clair on the weekend, <laughs> they do not tell you that. Every weekend's jobby nooner. Uh-huh. Um, and then Republican State Rep Gina Johnson from Lake Odessa, she claims that she has a master's and bachelor's degree in economics from Wesley College in Massachusetts. School officials say that their record says that uh, she has a bachelor's degree and double major in Russian area studies and economics, but not a master's degree. And my question is, why lie about the master's degree? I mean, her actual double major. That's impressive. It's impressive. Yes. It's impressive enough. So I, 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 I don't know. I mean, here's the thing. When when I vote for candidates, I've never once said, "Huh, I wonder what I wonder what their degree is in." Like ever, I don't I, I don't understand why they felt the need to lie. What I what I do take into account is whether they're full of it or not. Yeah, and their policies and their yeah. you know sure. those types yeah. of things and what they've passed or you know voted on or voted against all right. of that stuff. Yeah. And look, we we know politicians lie, but if I'm going to vote for you, I want to know that you're at least smart enough to uh, get away with the lie <laughs> and, and not do something that's so easily fact-checked. Right. Oh, boy. Um, and uh, so we're obviously we're getting into the election season. And we are if you're still on Twitter or X or whatever you call it, um, get ready to see more political ads because um, – the social media platform is going to be accepting them again after they banned them back in 2019. I don't know if they banned it. No, I was going to say they they didn't ban it in the wake of January 6th, because so this no. was before that. Uh, but the company said that it would create a global advertising transparency center, uh, which would let users see who is paying for the ads and that the ads would uh, that ads that promote misinformation will be prohibited. And, and my question is, um, Who's who, who's going to be the one that decides what's misinformation and what's not? Yeah, well, that's that's, that's been the question from the get go. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it came down to whether it was the vaccines or anything else. Yeah, mm-hmm. who's going to be the cop? And I got to be honest. I mean, you know, here in the traditional media, TV and radio. I mean, political ads are like our bread and butter. I mean, it, it they could a, a good political ad year can get us through. Bad years a otherwise. Quarter. Yeah, yeah. yeah no question. Sure. And so, I mean, the fact that Twitter had them banned, I mean, that that that's pretty bold. But, of course, since Elon Musk took over a lot of advertising left, he laid off a lot of people who dealt with the advertising. So um, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that uh, uh, they were banned to begin with. But uh, it, it, it makes total sense that that he's allowing it again. What do we call posts on Twitter now? Because it's not Twitter. It's X. Do we call them X's? You know, Nick, Nick and I were having this question. Nick and I were having this conversation. They're just called posts now. I'm going to re-X. Yeah, I'm going to re-X you. And how long do we have to say X, the social media company formerly known as Twitter? Like Prince. Prince. (laughs) I'm just going to call it Prince X. I'm just going to call it Twitter because it's too confusing to do. JR Morning coming up.